The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Let's get into this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40 says, Teacher, they, they were asking Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart. Everybody say heart. With all of your soul, say soul, and with all your mind. We can stay there forever. Because I feel like as a church, we do really, really good at heart. Come on, I'm going to love him with my heart. I'm going to serve him with my heart. I'm going to be passionate about my heart. Except for if you don't know him in your soul and you don't know him in your mind and you don't know enough truth to unleash and free your heart. The fr- this is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. Okay, equal to, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Can I just say that when Jesus died, rose again, he helped us fulfill the law, but he did not do away with it. He just said it right here. People are like, well, that Old Testament had 10 commandments and Jesus, he just said it. He just said, these are, they were asking, which is the greatest commandment? And in these two sentences, he covered the first four, which all dealt with God, and the last six, which all deal with man. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, the the first four, ten commandments. Love people. Okay? What is the last six? Okay? Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't. I mean, we can go all through it. This is what he just covered. Okay, now, as we look at this, if you don't build into you, you're never going to be able to give out to others. Your ability to reach out, connect, and love people is only as good as your initial investment of truth. So you feed in and you're able to give out. If you don't feed in, then you can't give out. You can't give out. You you don't feel compelled to. You don't want to. And so as we look at this, I want to talk about others. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Let's look at this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The Message Bible says it like this. Look at this. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse, come on somebody, to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Listen, as we look, last week I got to... uh, attend a prayer meeting with some pastors. It was right here in Northwest Arkansas. And it wasn't a huge crowd, but there was a bunch of pastors that, that had come and we began to pray. And we prayed for each other's churches. They lay, we laid hands on one another, cross-denomination. We laid hands on one another, prayed for revival to happen in our city. As I began to think about that situation driving away in my truck, I soon realized that God has always wanted to impact the city. We're not waiting for God to do something. God is waiting for us to do something. God has always wanted to touch this city. And if anything, He is waiting on us to affect others. For spiritual awakening to happen in our city, 
it's going to take us caring about other people. Spiritual awakening always happens in this order. It happens personal, relational, missional, and then cultural. So revival will happen when revival happens in us personally. Can I tell you that revival cannot happen in a church corporately. It has to happen in us individually. So then it happens in us. It spreads to others relationally. Then it becomes a mission. Then we begin to start changing culture. But, but for people to be like, well, we're just praying for revival. Okay, great. But now that you're done praying, what are we doing to have it? Because if our tables are not open and we're not inviting anybody over to eat with us, if our kids, when, people, when our kids play outside and we're not relating and knowing these kids and seeing our house as a missional opportunity to spread the love of God to people, you know what I'm saying? Think about it. Is it your mission to help be a light to the neighbors on your block? See, we all want revival, but revival means that God revives us. Us. As we talk about others, in this first part of us talking together, I, my assignment is that we as believers have to see life differently. We have to see life differently. And the kids are rolling. <laughs> we have to see life differently. And so... I don't know about this, but you, you probably are, are way more mature than I am. Um, and so you, you probably don't play any games on your phone, okay? I, I got that. You probably don't play any games on your phone. When you're not working, you're praying and fasting and, you know, I, I, I got that. You're reading books. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this. In 2013, there came a game out called Flappy Birds. Okay? Flappy Birds change the game and some of you are like I thought I was coming to church um, yeah I'm just trying to produce a little religion so we can no, I'm just kidding uh, but anyway um, we call this game flappy birds and, and so in 2014 it became the number one free downloaded app number one it brought in fifty thousand dollars a day in in ad advertisements $50,000 a day, someone make an app in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? We're taking 10, baby. Listen, listen. And, and, and so it was a little nostalgic because it looked like Mario Brothers. So all of you old school gamers, come on. Little Mario World, you know, little Nintendo. It kind of looked like that. And so they had some issues legally and they, they took it down. And the guy who took it down just really said, I, I never thought this phenomenon would take off. And people were spending like, like 10 hours at a time playing this game. My kids have this game. And so they're like always like, Dad, see how far you can get? And I'm like a 10-tunnel guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> after a while, I just get bored. And so my bird's always dying. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know why the game took off like it did. Maybe it's so simple. Maybe it's because the moment the game is over, you can reset and restart the game instantly. And so like in 30 minutes, you can play like 100. Oh, this is great. Yeah. And, and you just, all you got to do is tap the screen. There is something about resetting the game and starting over. Every time you die, every time you blow it, every time you get distracted, you just start over. But as a believer, you need to understand it's true that the mercies of God are new every morning. And no matter what you've done, there can be a spiritual reset for you where old things, come on, can pass away. All things can be made new. Nevertheless, 
we still have to live with the choices and the decisions that we've made. While God will forgive and restore us, it's important for us to know that life's resets aren't always as easy as Flappy Birds. You can take that off screen. It's not always that easy. Our culture has so many different concepts that it's throwing at us all the time. Carpe diem. Life is too short. You only live once. YOLO, baby. You know what I'm saying? Hashtag. Say YOLO. Some of y'all feel like I'm too old to say that. When I said that, I realized I was. It's probably 39 and under. I get you. I feel you. Listen, but we're all going, listen, and so these, these concepts are around, they're in our music, they're in our movies, they're in our message that we're all going to live once and then life on this earth will end for us. And as a believer, our mission is different than a non-believer. We see life differently. You think about different movies that are in our culture as of late. That have come up. If I stay, if only the vow, P.S. I love you, fault in our stars. These, these movies, and, and, and these movies teach us to make the most of our lives because today matters. But I will tell you this it also has another message, and the message in all of these movies, which is not bad, but it's you do whatever you can, whatever makes you happy, you, you maximize your life. Because it's the only life you have. Because not all of us get a second chance at life. Here's a quote from one of the movies, The Fault in uh, Our Stars. What makes life so precious is that it ends. Mm. <laughs> all the millennials in the room had a deep sigh. <laughs> Touched me. What makes so... What makes life so precious is that it ends. As a believer, how do we process all the information that we receive? While none of these messages are, are wrong, they're just incomplete. When you see that the, the sentence, you know, it's not about your life. What, what's precious about your life is not that it ends. It's that God created you in the image of God. And there is value placed on your life. And it's not that it comes to an end, it's that you were even born, that you were created. See, the exciting part is on your life. What, what makes life so precious is that you were created in the image of God. He has a plan and He has a purpose for you. And we've got to see life different. You're not just an employee, a business owner, a father, a mother, a friend, a church attendee. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 tells us, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives a prize, so run that you may attain it? The Bible tells us to get up, to run, to run fast, to run hard, to run to win. We don't run to win our salvation. Redemption has been secured by Jesus on the cross. But we run so that others might hear and see and taste that Jesus is good. We run because the clock is ticking. And we see it different. Today I want to tell you the best way for us not to run is to remove the clock. If we remove the clock, then it's like it doesn't really matter what I do. 
It doesn't matter how hard I run. It just matters if I finish. No, it doesn't. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you run hard and you focus on where you're going and you see life differently and you not get distracted because your life matters and your life counts. Today, I want to give us four ways to see life differently. Four ways to see life differently. The first is we've got to choose the truth over a lie. We've got to choose the truth over lie. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says, Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever? The lie is that you're average. The lie is that you're just an employee. The lie is that you have no value. The lie is that sin won't hurt you or harm you. The lie is that morals don't matter. But we have to embrace the truth. And the truth is that you can make a difference. The truth is God has freedom for you. Come on, somebody. The truth is that I'm called to be a blessing to other people. The truth is that I am the only Jesus that some people will ever see. We've got to embrace the truth and and, and move from this feeling-based church experience that picks and chooses what we feel is okay. See, here's the thing, is that God has a perfect way for all of us. And the people, all people, from the Old Testament to the New, have always been trying to have a relationship with God in their own terms. They've always been trying to do that. I want to serve you how I see fit because I don't want to have to conform and obey and repent and listen. That has never changed. That has never changed. God loves us and gives us countless opportunities to come back and will free us. Come on, somebody, when we fall. But we cannot say, listen, when I have four kids... And, and, and if I say, hey, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to empty the dishwasher. I want you to clean your rooms. And then I want you, you can have your snack. Well, they cannot come to me and go, I'll take my snack now. Hold up, baby. That's not how it works. Because <laughs> snack is after. Well, I think I should have my snack. I think I should eat all of my siblings, sibling snack because the snack is what makes me happy. And ultimately, Dad, I know you think about my happiness and you think I should be happy. No, baby, I think you should clean your room and listen to me. Because here's the deal. You would rather eat your snack with both of us happy. You hear what I'm saying? That's how it works. We've made it so hard, but it's not hard. It's not hard. The second thing is we've got to focus on spiritual health. We've got to see it different. Come on, there are gyms everywhere. Gyms everywhere, and it's the new year. We like three weeks into the new year. Come on, we're fixing the P90, insane. We're fixing the crunch, lift, move, thigh. Oh, it's gonna be great. Everybody's got new, come on, by, by 2018, I'm washboarding. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm out of my shirt. <laughs> and listen, 
I'm not mad about that. That's great. I want, I want you to be the best you that you can be. But if you spend more time getting this right, getting this right, getting all of this right, then what's in here is your mind is on you. You've got to focus on spiritual health. You've got to get right in here because here's the deal. When you get right in here, everything outwardly begins to change. I'm saying you start thinking about your legacy. And so you start thinking, I I'm doing this thing for the year, for 2017. You don't have to do this. This is not like, oh, the pastor's doing it. I don't care what you do. But, but, but for me, I'm not doing French fries for a year. I'm not doing french fries for a year because here's what I found out. I found out that I was meeting with people and talking and doing and I would eat french fries three or four times a week and I was like, and I looked in the mirror one time and I was like, God, he was like, french fries. <laughs> I'm like, I'm serving you. I'm doing, I'm loving people. And he said, and you're eating french fries. And I was like, oh. So now I eat a hamburger and broccoli. Pray for me. Pray for me because it's hard. It's struggle is hard. Okay, I went to with some of the guys and they had fries. And I'm telling you, you watch, give something up and it smells so good. It's like... It's like, it's like I just want to lick the grease off their fingers. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel you. But the reality is this. If we are trying to be everything and people please and, and, and try to be everything that ever, everybody on the, on the exterior wants us to be, but we're not whole in here then I can tell you that your relationships will suffer. People will not connect with you. They will not understand you. They will not get you because the fact of the matter is something is broken internally because when you feed the spirit of life, the life giver into your heart, life, compassion comes out. That's what happens. Listen, we all have toxic thoughts. I'm not immune from them. And neither are you. But we've got to make sure that we are focusing on our prayer life. Come on, reading the Bible. I know many of you are believers and you're like, yeah, pray. Have you prayed? <laughs> oh, yeah, we read the Bible. When? <laughs> well, when I scroll through Facebook, I see somebody's verse. <laughs> Come on. And, and, and then we respond with, thank you, Lord, that was what I needed. And you like mama bird, baby bird. They, they, they got the revelation, put it on Facebook, and you were like, oh, I needed that. But, but, but what, what if you got it yourself? What if you got it yourself? Listen, as we look at this, that's why we have prayer here. You may not know, but on Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 to 10, we have prayer here. We would love for you to come and pray. We're praying for our servant. We're praying for our visitors. When people fill out on the back of the tithe envelope, there are places on the back of the visitor card. There are places. What do you need prayer for? Don't, I don't want you to think that we're just like, <laughs> thank you. Ooh, yeah. We're praying for thee. We're praying for you. We're believing God for you. We want to see break through happen in your family, in your kids, in your marriage. We want to see strong marriages. Come on, we know that it's hard to live together. And so we need sometimes we need some prayer. 
Come on. From 9 to 10, we're, we've got a group here that's praying over these services, praying over these chairs. When you walk in, if you don't know how to pray, maybe you've never learned how to pray, come here and, 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 and learn how to pray. Listen, your compassion will move if your heart isn't hard. And your heart will always be hard if you're focused on you. It always will. That's why we get into the Word. That's why, because here's the deal. I don't know about you. I'm going to just be honest. I don't like a lot of people telling me what to do. I just don't. I'm grown. You know what I'm saying? I'm 40. I made it through 20. You know what I'm saying? People didn't think I was going to live. I'm living, baby. You know what I'm saying? Don't, I don't like, but, but, but when the Word, that doesn't mean that I'm not submitted. It doesn't mean, I, we, have, we have pastors in our lives. We have people who check us. But really, on a daily basis, I just don't like people coming up and telling me all the things I ought to do different. That's why you get into the Word. Because the Word will tell you, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, but if we don't, if we remove this, then what standard of correcting our life is there? What standard is there? And so here's what happens is we leave it to our enemies. We leave it to our family. And come on, how many families have been destroyed because somebody finally had to say something that you could have got from here? Come on, some of y'all like, oh my. We love you. We love you. We got to get into the Word. We, people need you. They need you to be healthy. Healthy people provide life and compassion. Come on, have you ever been around someone? Uh, oh, it's all terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. It's going to be terrible. It's terrible for my dad. It's terrible for his dad. It's probably terrible for you. It's terrible for me. <laughs> like someone was basically happy. Like, oh, man. <laughs> and then you're like around them and you're like, oh, yeah. Like you had a great day till you came into contact with that person. And it was like whatever they had got on you. And it was like, I was happy. You stole it from me. Listen, we have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to each other. And can I tell you this? The goal of your life is not happiness. It's wholeness. Because here's the deal. There are some times in marriage, I love my wife. We've been married 14 years, got four kids, got everything that we've ever wanted. And sometimes, you may not even believe this, but sometimes I don't make her happy. <laughs> I respond in a way. I do something. I act like a man. <laughs> I say things in a very rough tone. I didn't even know I had a tone. When I hang out with some guys, we don't ever cry and hold each other. And so I go talk to her and she's crying and I'm like, why? But the reality is this. If the goal is happiness, we should have been divorced. Because there's sometimes, I mean, I just, I just said the wrong thing. I, I blew it. <laughs> but the goal is wholeness. 
not happiness. And if you're not careful, every Netflix show will tell you it's about your happiness. But here's the deal. If you chase your happiness, you will never be happy. You never will. Come on. The third thing is this. Thank you. I had three people excited about that point. <laughs> the third thing is this. You've got to be a life giver. We've got to see it different. We are life givers. This church, we want to be a life-giving church. That's why it, it's so funny when people come in who just are like, they didn't know what to expect here. You know what I'm saying? And so they walk in, and I know how uncomfortable it is to enter a new church because we do know church people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what's going to happen. And so you come in, and then all of a sudden people are clapping and singing and, like, responding in service. And you may have gone to a church which was very, like, no one said anything. The pastor said amen, and they were two or three people were like, Amen. And so now, like, people are talking, and, like, you're distracted, and you're like, I, I can't hear him because all y'all are talking. But the reality is this. We're supposed to be a life-giving culture. A life-giving culture. And, and listen, it's important for us to know that a life-giving culture serves. It serves. I'm excited about our 930 service, and here's why I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited for all the people that are going to come in. In our first year, we have seen people saved. We have seen people baptized. We have seen people filled with the Spirit. We have seen uh, kids start learning the Bible. I love it. If you, if you come on our Wednesday night program, we have a program where by the time they start children's church to the time they get out, they will have gone through the Bible twice. Come on. We're trying to train up and grow the next generation of people because we've got to think differently. We've got to think differently. All of our life groups, the things that we're doing, we want them to be life-giving. And we want you to come and be a part. And, and at 9.30, we're just going to open up opportunities for people to use their gifts and serve and do. And, 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 and more people are going to touch ministry. And if you want to know what we're really about, it's on our wall. We believe everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs freedom. Everybody needs focus. And ultimately, what will cause is a community of people who are all bought in. And here's the deal. When you touch ministry, that's when you begin to transform and change. We want to be life-giving. We want to be life-giving. We believe that if you're a life-giver, you're generous. When we talk about tithe, it's not, oh, oh, there's another church. Oh, you're right. And so now we've, we've cut off, and the church can't even talk about biblical concepts. We can't talk about life because it's political. We can't talk about sex because it's political. We can't talk. And so I guess we'll talk about this page. This has been given to us so that we can grow, thrive, develop, and become free. And so you'll see people come and give, and, and give their offering. And we want people who give generously, not out of compulsion, but you're a life giver. And every time we put money in, in here, here we go, y'all hold on now. We're starting to hit wrong notes. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Every time you put money in here, we're getting a team ready to go to Belize. They're meeting today to 
We're serving. We're life givers. We're going to go to Belize. We're going to go here. we got an apartment complex right over here that every time we go, kids come and run. We are a life-giving church. Come on, we want you to chest bump. We want you to be excited about the kingdom, but we want you to be excited. When you win, we win. When you get an advancement, when, when your kids make, make an honor roll, when they do, come on, we're excited. We're a life-giving community. Not, oh, they bought a new truck. <laughs> we want you to win. We want you to come and help us be a part of the dream team. Help us. we got women who come on Friday and help us clean the church. None of this just happens. And I'm, I'm not saying this to be self-serving. I'm just saying, are you a life giver? Because our corporations have made millions off of learning a biblical concept. And the biblical concept is when you serve people, you get access to their life. Now they're using it for corporate gain. I'm not mad about that. But why wouldn't the church use that to see transformation happen in the lives because it's a biblical principle jesus said serve he served the disciples and they never wanted to leave does that make sense service changes things be a life giver the last one is this and i'm gonna be done is you got to live with a mission you got to see your life different the vision isn't the twenty-six thousand square foot home four-wheeler two kids and getting your kids to graduate by having some decency of life. We have an eternal perspective. We're going, heaven is the goal. We're headed somewhere. We see it different. It's not just about amassing things. It's where we're going. We're going to heaven. It's a place beyond the pain. Come on, it's beyond the struggle. It's beyond politics. We live past the grave. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Don't get distracted here on this earth. We live with an eternal mission. And it's to see the broken healed, the lost found, the beaten down get back up. Those who feel like they could never, you know, if I walk into the church, the walls will fall down. No, baby, not this church. Walk in. Walk in. Because we see life differently. John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And I come again and receive you to me. There I am, you'll be also. God is preparing a place for you. This is, we're not, it's not going through life. There, God's preparing something for you. John 15, 12, my commandment is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. And come on, it's hard to love people. You got a family, you know. It's hard to love people, but you got to see it differently. And we're going to be a church about other people. That's what we're going to be. And I thank you for coming today. And I believe that God has a plan for you. And, and there may be some of you here that you have sold yourself short. But today, I want to take the bar and your perspective and move it up. It's time to get where God's called you to get. Amen. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.